when you purchase the yogurt? Well, it's about what's inside. <laughs> is it? Always. It should, it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be, but the interesting thing is people go... Even I do this. People go for what is aesthetically pleasing. Because I think it's becoming like a new facet of eating. That you like what you're looking at. That's why like people are food Instagrammers. You like what you're looking at while you're eating it, and it's like a new facet of eating. It has to be like tasty and look good. It can't just be tasty now. This is Make It Human. <laughs> I'm a girl. And what do you want the people to know about you? That question, I immediately thought, what boxes do I want to be put in? Make me sound complex and more than I am than just this voice. Um, this is hard. Well, I, I'm a, I would say I study communications at Cal Poly, which normally gets a bad reputation because I personally think it's because of the comms 101 course that is mandatory for every single student. And so people get this idea of what communication studies is based off this one class, comms 101. People, people bond about how it's dreaded. And so when I tell people, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm a comms major. They, most people immediately think that I am the best speech maker you'll ever meet and that I give speeches in all my classes when as a comms major. As a comms major. Because of this perception, this box I've been put in as the comms 101 person. And for those of you who don't know, comms 101 class in the beginning of college where you basically have to give three speeches throughout the entire quarter. Very nerve-wracking for a lot of people. And so I'm a comms major and I can definitely assure for you that communication studies is far more than speeches. It is about how language constructs the world that we live in, constructs the stereotypes. Uh, my name is Paul Gillis-Smith. I am a student at Cal Poly. I study political science. I'm a minor in religious studies and media arts, society, and technology. Uh, I heard. Yeah, so I love school. Um, I like fermenting foods. I like making kombucha and sourdough bread. Mm -hmm. I like riding my bike to school. I love breakfasts like sharing a meal at breakfast with people. And I love saying good morning. I love starting my day. Do you have a job? Um, I have an internship with a um, company that I began working with earlier this quarter called Clarity Technology Partners. And it is a technology-focused recruiting firm located in downtown San Luis Obispo, um, working on connecting engineers and companies together to find the perfect fit for a job. Give me three verbs to describe yourself. Yeah. Wandering is a good one. <laughs> um, 
I think of verbs as like two things I think of are two words. So I'm just, oh, making things. I love making, creating. Creating I love, is such a buzzword right now. I know it's such a buzzword. I like I like producing things. I like making I love producing something that has an end product. Example, my kombucha and my sourdough bread. Right. I put so much effort into those things and cultivate them. Maybe cultivating's my word. And finally seeing the results of my products is so rewarding and I really love doing that. So wandering Wandering, cultivating, and drinking. And drinking. Drinking okay. wine is one of my favorite things, even though that probably puts me into a category that I don't want to be in. Right. Moms. <laughs> Make it human. Moms. I currently work at the Slow County Regional Airport, uh, SBP, if you're looking for it. And on how, the... how interested in you are in this internship? I'm very disinterested in this internship. Okay. Um, it's I, I literally collect insurance from everybody that works at the airport, so it's super boring. I also share, sell shoes on uh, Amazon.com. Uh, we sell Birkenstocks and Uggs on Amazon. My three, uh, three verbs to describe myself would be conversating, contemplating. Actually, conversating was added to the Oxford English Dictionary last year. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's why I used it. I was thinking, I was like, oh, the normal word is conversing. But now, since uh, Oxford updated that bad boy, I'm throwing conversating out there. Conversating, contemplating. Good ones. And what is your... And communing. That was four. That's three. Contemplating, conversing. All right. So I never got to ask you a question. So what is your weapon of choice? My weapon of choice. Uh, it can be is the truth. anything. The truth. <laughs> I'm just That's kidding. original. What's uh, compassion? Good one. Thank you. Fighting fire with fire doesn't always work. Right, everyone. <laughs> and so, what was our initial? What was our initial fascination with Chobani? Our fascination began with this rebrand that happened. I don't know if you have noticed Chobani in your lifetime, Paul. Mm-hmm. But Chobani as I, I have the good Chobani. old Chobani as I know it, had the uh, sans serif yep. font, sans serif. dark lines, stark contrast, white or black on white, a very vivid picture of a strawberry or some other fruit. And what it was was just yogurt. They weren't really trying with the brand. You disagree? As far as we know, yeah. It felt like it really looked like like a yogurt. I could have gotten them confused with Yoplay. Lucerne. Yeah. Any any Dannon. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Daminals. But what what we were intrigued about was this rebranding. We discovered around March or April. And um what we noticed that was so stunning to us was that the rebranding was not only a change in the packaging of the company, but also a change in the ideologies, the website, the colors. It seemed as though the new branding was trying to be something that was not yogurt. It was like they turned it into a millennial wet dream. 
to expand upon that, it looked more like the font had changed into something similar of Patagonia. They added an entire color to their branding. Um, all like matte, pastel. So many pastels. Also, they included photos that had a slightly weathered look that made it look like it was a brand in the 70s. But, so why did we care so much about this? I personally was distraught. I was like, what? I feel I feel too directly marketed. That was my opinion. Exactly. Yeah, it seemed, it seemed as though it was very obvious, and I think something that is uh, very uh, pertinent in branding these days is specificity of who you are branding to. It is very clear that this branding is marketed toward young, millennial, outdoors, Well, I mean, it's kind of just a phenomenon of, of marketing just these days. It's like, it's just so, so particular. Like, when, when Extremely a, particular. When you see a brand, you know that it's really, you know, yeah. like, oh, somebody's, like, very much like Exactly. Like, when you see your suggested Instagram. It's like, it's dangerous. Yeah. You know exactly. I get Instagram ads for um, personalized with my name written on them, Vitamins. For, With uh, your name on them. Yes. Insanity. For, for natural cycles. <laughs> birth control. <laughs> very, very particular advertising. But it doesn't know you. It's an algorithm. Exactly. And so this brings us to Make It Human. So I I was captured a while ago by this fellow named Martin Buber. Martin Buber. I'm not sure how to say it, but... He was born in the, in the late 1800s, and he wrote this book in the 1920s called I Thou. Uh, it was translated later into English, but um, basically the book uh, is based around these two fundamental propositions. Oh, and the book is called I and Thou, not I Thou. Uh, the first is the, the attitude of the I, that's me, towards an it. Uh, it's an object that is separate in itself, uh, whether we use or experience it. So it's this microphone I'm recording on the laptop that's sitting on the desk. It's um, it's also people around us that we don't really think about on a daily basis. They just kind of turn into this, this general caricature, uh, kind of like a crowd at a concert. You're not thinking about each of those people as individual beings. You just see them as the mass of the uh, But then there's the attitude of the I towards the thou. Uh, it's the relationship in which... The other is not separated by discrete bounds. There's not this sense of like they're this this caricature and this this sort of um, object that we can operate upon and and um, and sort of treat however we want however we want to treat them because we keep them at a safe distance. They're it's 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 dangerous. They're another subject. They're uh, another human being that you have to interact with. And so we do this all the time. We take, we take people and groups of people and we say, oh, you're like this. You are this type of person. We deny them their own humanity. We say, you, you're like this and you fit into this caricature. Fitting into the categories. Yeah. You fit into the set of categories that we give them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's all they are is the category they belong into. If they are part of the LARPing club. They are a LARPer, and you assume you already know everything about them. They're a LARPer. Right. You don't see any similarities whatsoever with this person. And it's only your version of what does it mean to be a LARPer. Mm-hmm. It's not what not does their LARPing version. mean to that person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is incredibly dangerous. But 
what we experience with this with this this Chobani debacle, mm-hmm. this Chobani debacle is fundamentally about being about knowing what it feels like to be an it and realizing, mm-hmm. oh, this really does not feel great. In other words, we ourselves are the it that Chobani is marketing toward. We feel dehumanized in a way. And that's essentially what we do to other groups every single day. Every day. And this makes a lot of sense from our sort of evolutionary backgrounds. Mm-hmm. It's easier easier to fit people into categories, easier for us to understand the world. And it's not only easier, it's necessary. When mm-hmm. we were worried about being in the food chain and being eaten by larger beasts, you can't worry about what the humanness of the, well, yeah, the lion. It's not a human. But you're not worrying about the lion's daily struggles. You're worried about getting away from the lion. So you see, you know, mm-hmm. lion shapes in the brush. You're going to run away. Okay. Or kill it. Or kill it. These are important stereotypes, people. Important important stereotypes for survival. But now we are living in a day and age where we are stereotyping people not necessarily because of survival. Not at all. But more so, I guess, for understanding of the world. and Just to feel it's more for comfort. And comfort. But it it is scary. And I would say almost life threatening in its own way of just not understanding the world is life threatening in its own way not understanding the world fe- feels life threatening it might it not does. be life threatening so this is what he's actually talking about you're 10 minutes late for work you're sweating windows rolled down but your air conditioning doesn't quite work and you're still just pissed the frick off because you're stopped at the stoplight and this old lady is slowly crossing the street with her walker you're cursing this lady out. Fuck you, lady. Waiting for her to cross the street, but it's so slow. And in reality, it's because you don't know who this Actually, if you did know her, you might still be. But, but you would be mad within the context of who that woman is. Exactly. So you knew her, and her name was Marilyn. She was slowly crossing the road. And say you saw her and say it was your best friend's friend. And say, oh my god! Hey Marilyn, long time no see. You heard about her a lot. She she was always the person who would ask you how you're doing. Ask you about your day when no one else really cared about the nice still be upset that she was on the street. But you would put it into the context of who she is. You would wonder where she is going. And because you essentially knew a little bit more about her. And I think it just takes that small bit of knowledge and understanding someone is to be able to identify So we're making, returning the lady. First situation was an it. Second, your friend's grandma. She's a human. Right. She's the thou. She's the thou. So this is the whole situation with Chobani. We experienced... We experienced Chobani as us being made inhuman. And we're like, oh my gosh, this is a real problem in society that everybody's just turning. Oh, wait, did I say Chobani's making us No, you said Chobani's making us inhuman. Chobani is making us inhuman, exactly. Just like I said. Um, but this is this is what we do to people all the time. This is what I do to, uh, to the people. The lady crossing I, the street. To the lady crossing the street. People in traffic all the time. Just like, who the like, come on. It's, I, I can't deal with it. I or think people. it's especially a problem in driving. We should make bad drivers human. <laughs> How would we find them? I don't know. 
I think everyone's a bad driver at one point or another. Here's the thing. I get flipped off almost every time I drive. So So maybe we're making you human just by making this podcast. Right. Okay. So as Jenna Kittner, a close friend of both of ours, one of our our tribe, she said Yeah. She said that Chobani has provided a new facet of eating. Or not just Chobani, but any type of um, food in the millennial age, you could say, is this idea that you are no longer purchasing something that is simply the product, but also the branding that is revolving around it. Yeah. So... We went, we went to our people and we asked, we asked them all sorts of questions about what they thought of Chobani. Um, and uh, here they are. We were, we were essentially wondering if we had any commonalities or if we were over-exaggerating. Are we just insane? Are we just insane? Are we just over-exaggerating this branding or is there something a little eerie happening here? What are your thoughts and attitudes toward Chobani? Well, up until this point, I don't really think I had any. Perfect. <laughs> Have you ever eaten it before? Yes. What do you think? We're talking about the yogurt, right? Yeah, yeah. the yogurt. The Chobani. yogurt. Yeah. Correct. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of yogurt in general, but I think they're one of the better ones. What do you know about Chobani? What do I know about it? That it's a Greek yogurt. Chobani? It's a yogurt? Right. I think it's a Greek yogurt. It is a Greek yogurt, yes. And I think it comes in a variety of interesting flavors. But I think it may be somewhat overpriced. I think that I can get a Greek yogurt at Trader Joe's, for example, for less. I think I bought one once. I think I ate it. Is <laughs> it good? I don't remember. It was yogurt. It's not like yogurt gets me very excited. Excited. These are all people that I know. Right. Yeah. And so it's all of their opinion on this rebranding. Correct. <laughs> cool. Say anything else. Wait, uh, is there anything else we need? Uh, not really for this part. This is kind of just like generally introducing. These are people we know. This That should be firm. Yeah. These, these, are, are, these are, this is our people. This yeah. is what our people think of this rebranding. Part We just got their general impressions on what they think Chobani is. And I think the mere fact that they think it's something more than a rebrand. Well, they haven't said that yet. I mean, okay, but we're getting there. I think they're one of the better ones, flavor-wise. You've so you've eaten it before. I have. Okay. And how long have you been consuming Chobani? Uh, I'm gonna guess about two years on and off. And what type of person is like the Chobani advocate? Like, who really likes these? Um, usually women. Um, they're more expensive, so I'm gonna say upper middle class women. Yeah, thirty-year-old moms. And thirty-year-old moms. Yeah, correct. You think of pasta? That's yeah. that out. <laughs> I think of same, same. Um, but Greek yogurt is easier on the stomach for lactose intolerant oh, people. Interesting. What 
topics or ideas or attitudes are surrounding the name Chobani? First thing that comes to mind. That's kind of a weird name. It yeah. is a weird name. When you yeah. go to the when you walk down the grocery aisle, you see Chobani, look to your right, <laughs> open the door. What do you think? And I'm like, you know, the packaging kind of sucks. Is there a lifestyle really? associated it's with it? It's just white. Yeah, what's the lifestyle? The lifestyle is like, oh, I'm a healthy fit girl. I think you're like a fitness mom. mom. Yeah. You know, it's like the, the mom is busy but like wants to be fit, so she buys Chobani yogurt. Yeah. Mm. So puts a little bit of granola and some yeah. chopped up fruit on top, you know? Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is healthy. So these two people that we interviewed, Michaela and Sarah, they one thing I think that's interesting and noteworthy about what they say about Chobani is that they assume the marketing is toward a group other than their own. Sarah said the soccer mom. What did Michaela say? They said Cal Poly. Yeah, and well, but I think it's inter- I think when you recognize who they're marketing toward, you assume that you're not in that category because you're able to recognize that. Is that true? You assume that you're like a little smarter. You're like um, outsmarted the system, and that you are able to well, escape. And I think that's only upon. I think that's only upon reflection. Yeah, you're right. When you're in the store, it's a different experience because even I recognize myself, the brands that I'm drawn toward in the store. I'm drawn toward good marketing, as anyone is. When oh, it's yeah. pretty, I bought you salsa. Like it. I bought salsa in a mason jar just the other day. Why did I buy it that was in a mason jar? Well, it was on sale. It was also in a mason jar. Mason jars cool. equal hipster. Trendy. I guess so. decided to rebrand. Oh, so you oh, know so about you, the rebrand? You're aware. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah, because I saw it in stores. That's like, what that's did you think? <laughs> that's that's Elaborate on it. You just thought that's interesting. What do you think is associated with the new brands? Like, when you, do you, did you like the font? Did you not like it? I think the old one is more in your face, and the new one is more cutesy. Cutesy? You yeah. think it's cutesy? I think it is. Really? It reminds me of bunnies. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, definitely reminds me of bunny rabbits. How do you think authenticity plays into this? Do you think that one style is more authentic than the other? I have a limited Yes. Because the the OG Chobani, when you look at the packaging, you expect like that normal plasticky feel. When you look at the new one, you expect the more like this is 50% recycled feel <laughs> <laughs> it's personal it's authentic yeah personal it's manufactured it's, it's authentic it's, it's personal it's manufactured it's body. <laughs> yeah yeah so we were pretty stoked on our um, phrase. simultaneous phrase, uh, manufactured authenticity, because... That really does epitomize what 
not only Chobani, but many other brands are striving to do these days is manufacture themselves as being authentic. They are creating an authentic image in order to attract millennials who are reputationally authentic or drawn toward authenticity. It's the same thing that we do, though. We kind of create this sort of persona of ourselves. Like, I don't sit like this. If I was just alone. and What I do mean, you mean? Sit like, like... Like, if I was just alone, do I just, like, sit like this? Like, hmm, legs crossed. They're not going to you know, know what you're whatever. talking about because they can't see you. I understand, but it's still just, you get the point across. So, like, what I'm doing right now is not what I'm doing if I was, you know, perfect. I mean, I guess we're all whatever. inauthentic. But we're all manufacturing some sense of authenticity. Mm -hmm. But at what point are we identifying with people who are, shouldn't be authenticized, i.e. serial killers? Oh. Like in Mindhunter. Like in Mindhunter. Mm -hmm. Like at what point can you, are you even allowed to say that a corporation that's sole goal is to make money is human? I mean, I guess that is a human desire to make money. Right. And it's just kind of done on this, like, this other playing field. What is our purpose? So if we're trying to make people human, at what point is it? Um, At what point should we not make people human? Or should we always try and somehow identify with these people? Well, so what's what's the underlying, like, feeling or desire that making making it human does is compassion, mm-hmm. right? And is compassion ever a problem? Perhaps if you're being compassionate towards someone who is very powerful and evil. Because you're showing them love, which is further perpetuating their goals. Maybe. I think that's I think not that's, a good idea. I think that's the lie that's baked into the system. That you compassion think? is only good for charity. It's only good for these cases of like, oh, like when you when people are a problem. Or, or when people have a problem, you you apply compassion to the situation, and that fixes whatever problem. But I think there's a bigger overarching issue of, of like, we have a very low value of the power of compassion in society. We say that, oh, like, compassion is just for charity cases. Compassion. Yeah, is you won't, for- you know, like, but- bitches get stuff done, Tina Fey phrase. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Well, she's one of her famous quotes located on Pinterest is that bitches get stuff done. And the whole point is that in order to succeed, you can't have compassion or to succeed. Right. Quote, quote, quote unquote, unquote, succeed. But which also this occurs in Mindhunter. I don't know if you remember this episode, but talking about how um, large corporate CEOs have the same underlying desires and qualities as serial killers. In the show Mindhunter, one of the characters who is a sociologist, she introduces the fact that she studies CEOs and sees how their similarities um, compare to those of serial killers in that these two groups both do not have empathy or others surrounding them, but they both carry out that characteristic in different ways. CEOs are able to push people out of the way in order to climb to the top of their company. And obviously serial killers are able to lack empathy and kill people in artistic ways. Right. 
capture their money. Yeah, so at what point are we... Do we think we're trying to make... Are we just not going to say any behavior is wrong? Well, I don't think that's the point. I think that's not what making it human is about. What making an it human is understanding the... That person comes from someplace. Yes. The, there's an origin story. There's a... There's a. They're not just a this group. They just, this evil batch of people. Right. And they didn't just appear out of thin air just for your, just for your use and enjoyment or mm. for your observation. Yeah. They're meant as a as another co-conspirator in this in this magical journey. Mm. So they actually like did some work to change it to that. It's re- it looks very retro. It looks yeah. retro. Mm-hmm. The, especially the the use of the teal or aqua color. Who do you think they're trying to market to with this new this Hi- new look? hippies? Hippies. The millennial generation. The millennial generation. And you think they've got the more money to spend on their yogurt? They may I don't know if they do or not, but they may spend it. On the on the yogurt. Mm-hmm. But not for you guys. It's not you don't think this redesign is for the the Gen X? No. And again, I buy my yogurt based on what is the best value. Not the experience. No. Right. Because I think I can have the same experience <laughs> whether I pay $3.99 for a container of yogurt or $1.99 right. for a container of yogurt. They're both kind of the but, same. But they're kind of... Well, I mean, this one, like, this one they're kind different, of, but they're the same thing. This one looks like a brand of like... It does not look like a brand of yogurt. It looks like a brand it looks of like, a, like, like a outdoor brand. Yeah, exactly. So who who eats this? You said the soccer mom is yeah. trying but to be healthy, but she's on the go. Really active, adventurous people. This is the college hmm. student now. The college student eats this show on you, and they're trying to appeal to a younger, hipper, trendier audience, which is our generation. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, that's our generation. Yeah. That's we... the that's the culture at Cal Poly. It's, it's so like obvious that they're jacket. targeting millennials. So obvious. I think they're trying to. Open up like a, almost like a lifestyle, like clothing, whether it's like outdoor, like fitness. Right. Should we be afraid? Should we be afraid of Chobani now? I think slightly. I think it's kind of scary to think that a yogurt brand. I mean, they gotta can manipulate our minds. Right. Into living a certain lifestyle. I mean, well, everything does that. If I'm Chobani's not the only one who's done that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What do you think their goal is as a company? They want to help. What I picture is somebody wearing like those cool glasses, not Paul's glasses. Like <laughs> the cool round ones. ones. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, the round Small ones. Small round glasses. And um, their house is very minimalist. It's a tiny home. And um, <laughs> they have one dog. They ride their bike everywhere. Kind of a more like. Just the modern, the modern human, the, the lifestyle, human. the lifestyle everybody's striving to live, but nobody actually is. They just Instagram about it. Do you like it? Yes. Why do you like it? I don't know. Those pictures are pretty aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I feel like they're trying to appeal to like the very trendy, like. Health conscious market. What do you think of this? It looks like Patagonia's writing. 
Yeah, what do you, what do you think? Based on the pictures, it looks like it's more uh, naturally grown, less GMO. These people we interviewed, the two older ones with the much, the far less noise in the background, those are Paul's parents. And even in this small interview, you can see where he comes from himself and that why he is interested in such a topic such as yogurt and the branding behind it, something most people would probably give less of a second thought about. Absolutely. Yeah, and so his parents are also intrigued by the topic as well. So I think that gives a little insight into why Paul is interested in this topic. You think so, Paul? Maybe. Could just be that I made him talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, there is there is a little nugget in there. Yeah. I mean, people had something to say about it. And I, I wonder if it's just our group that is the only group that has something to say, or if we showed it to every single person, if they would have something to say. Say about yogurt. I mean, other than simply it's a rebrand. The next bit of recordings are of people who responded initially positively. They're like, yeah, I like this. Yeah, because the branding, I think when you see a rebrand like that, or just branding in particular, you assume that you are not subject to... um, whoever this branding is targeting. You assume, Absolutely. You assume, oh, I'm smarter than this. Whenever you see a commercial that's directly right. targeted toward you, you think, I'm too smart for this. I'm not going to fall for this commercial. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to fall for this personalized Instagram ad. No. Absolutely I'm not. smarter. Yeah. And so it is a bit rare that you find people who are initially, when they see this specified targeting, targeted um, branding that are interested in it. Does that make sense? I see what you're saying, but I think yeah. the positive response isn't rare. I think a lot of people are like, yeah, I like it. Okay. They still think that they're above it, but they do think they like it. Yeah. It's both at the same time. Yeah. It's okay, I see. Yes. I like it. You like it? What do you like about it? It's Patagonia. Hmm. Sorry. You're so right. It def- the definitely is. Yeah. I think there is a humanness mm. in serif fonts. Hmm. I'm serious. That's where um, serif, serif typefaces come from. There's the hu- there's one of the like there's different kind of levels of when they were created. Like there's the old style serif, yeah. and then there's the human serif, and they're all the serifs are kind of reflections of like a human script. Here's the thing: Chobani <laughs> is a sans serif corporation. Chobani is a sans-serif corporation. But they're trying to make people think that they're a serif. Isn't there something incredibly dishonest in that? Jenna, 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 Jenna noticed it. What's happening? It's because she's the, the person that buys the yogurt. 
saying it's not important is ignoring like how much ideologies are at play. It's not a person that buys What ideologies are at play? The ideologies that people define themselves with brands. Yeah, I think Okay. People buy things because, not because of the product anymore, but because of the ideologies surrounding it. Like Patagonia is entirely ideologies. If you really wanted to like help the environment and like wear a functional sweater, you shop at Goodwill. Right. Yeah. It's not about making things better. Yes. Okay. Here's the thing. Who goes into a store and says, who who is like, no one's Gumby. No one walks into a store like Frosty the Snowman. That's a better one. <laughs> Happy birthday. Like, oh my gosh. Like, wow, this is such a nice yogurt. Like, I like how it looks. I'm going to buy it. No one responds directly to branding. Wait, wait. Yes. I think yes. people I, are. I think like, that's an important I observation. A lot past. of people aren't. So Ben's response, some of you may identify with it, but I believe it's a little extreme because largely because he was a little angry at me at or had some resentment toward me, I I guess would be a better word at this point in time in our relationship because we do have a little complex history. Um, And so I think he was including this. Yeah, we're not including this, but I think it's good just for maybe like a. It would just be funny to listen to in a few years. Yeah. <laughs> he uh he really disliked me or acted like he did because I didn't return his affection. We talked to a bunch of people that really they don't think a ton about branding or things like that explicitly. In their, in their, in their school lives. In their in their conscious ongoing narrative. They're just sort of subject to brands. But we do have a friend who branding's kind of his deal. I would call him an expert in branding. Yeah, he's a bit of a subject matter expert on on branding. Yeah, he studied art Mm -hmm. at Cal Poly. He used to work for a Cal Poly startup called Olzi, an app um, geared toward protecting or preventing sexual assault. Right. So he's he's in the branding biz. Yeah, he, this is something he thinks about a lot. All the time. So we thought, what better person to ask about all this Chobani nonsense than uh, our good friend Mike Miller? Because it does seem like nonsense when you could think about how we're literally just talking about this with non-experts. We all think we know all this shit when really we probably know you and me. Very little. I study a little about branding, but I mean, we pretty much know nothing about this. Right. We're just aware. We're just aware of it. We're just aware. We like to think that we know shit about it. But regardless, we think it's important to bring in an expert to show you how this does matter. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you, you know about the rebrand. I know very much about the rebrand. All right. Give you us... know a lot about it. I was anticipating it before it came out. Really? Why? So it happened in November, right? Mm-hmm. How, how long ago were you like, something's going on? Um, well, okay. So background of why it's not completely weird that I'm into that. I like work in the design industry, so I like read articles and like mm-hmm. image what's going on in that industry like all the time. Right. And so, uh, in reading about different design things happening, whether it's like corporate rebrands or whether like initiatives being taken or like changes in user experience design, you get like really into it. And I think one of the really cool things that I was excited about with Chobani was even that it was a brand that started to. It was exciting for me because it, it seemed like it was more of like, okay, we're like gonna stray a little bit from 
typical like brand standards. So so any any company will have this thing called brand standards. They have a branding standards manual, and it's essentially like a how-to book of like how to make things look like this brand. Say it was uh, like the the brand of Danielle, right? And then there was a branding standards manual. It'd be like it would kind of take the life out of who Danielle is, and it's like okay, in order to like be Danielle, you wear this type of shirt. You say these certain phrases at this certain time. Say it was, uh, go with like Dropbox. So Dropbox is a huge company that just recently did a rebrand, which is kind of changing the design industry, like as we watch it. But really? Yeah. I'm yeah. actually, I'm very, yeah. It's a very cool thing that people have like polarizing opinions about. But about so they're, Dropbox. yes. And about their like, they're like rebranding and their whole design team. But they like, in their original branding, they had it's, it's you have like a logo and you have certain specific colors you can use, um, different applications you can use them in. One of the things that's interesting about Dropbox is they kind of like invented this whole world of like tech illustration, like bringing like life into tech companies. Like you hit a 404 page, and you get a picture of like a sad robot, right? And you're like, oh, page not found. They like invented that whole idea of like, what? oh, what if we bring in illustration? What if we bring in personality? Which happened from uh, this is Dropbox, Dropbox, yeah. Oh. Which wow. happened from when they were like very early, they're a small company, you know, like like five, ten people. Hmm. And one of their like developers, when he needed some like mental space, would like take colored pencils, doodle these like random things with like the Dropbox logo. Then they just kind of like, eh, like why not? Like throw it in there on the 404 page. Nobody goes to a 404 <laughs> page. And then it became like this, like, people were like, oh my gosh, there's like life. Like people right. made this product. I forgot that like people made this. And so then Dropbox capitalized on that and like, invented this world of tech illustration now all tech companies you, you get all those like sad robots on your 404 pages illustration right. everywhere in like in the tech industry um but dropbox really invented that and it was huge because of it but then they had this branding standards manual which again is the like it's like the how-to guide of how to make so say any like random designer gets hired by dropbox they're not making things that like they think is cool they're making things they follow this book that might be a hundred pages it explains exactly how. So it kind of takes how like creative Dropbox. freedom out of it. How to Dropbox. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. How to make something look exactly like Dropbox would look. Mm-hmm. So as if it wasn't one person designing. Because it's not. So really, there, it, there's no individual style. It becomes, like, very specific. But then Dropbox just did this, this rebrand, which is, like, unheard of in the design community. Which has people, like, up in arms where they, uh, they totally change everything. And then usually a company will have, like, four brand colors. And maybe some variations of that. Dropbox now is like 36. What? Like went crazy. And their whole style is like, it's very hard to pinpoint it down to like, oh, this is what their brand is. But it's more of like, you get like an ethos of like, oh. In the same way that when you know a person, it'd be a lot harder to like, like, okay, this is exactly who this person is. You kind of understand like the sort of like Paul-ness of Paul, the Danielle-ness. Of the, you start to understand this like-ness to them. So now what some brands are starting to do is get this, like, almost, like, Ness quality to them of the, like, what is, like, our Dropbox-ness? Mm-hmm. You know, like, how do we, um, which is a really fascinating thing seeing companies start to, like, give creative freedom into their branding. So the branding standards manuals look, in a company like Dropbox now, look crazy. You can view, like, a kind of, like, external version on their website for, like, outsiders to look at, and it's still, like, wild. Like, they use... The, the typeface that they use now, it's got like 130 different weights to it, which a usual typeface has like 8 to 15. 
And so there's just so many different varieties that you can use it for, and they use, they use all of them. Like they really use all of them, which looks like so hectic, but it still has this like ethos, this like heart, this vein to it that aligns all of it. But bringing back to Giovanni, that's a similar thing of what Giovanni has now started to do is kind of like capitalizing on that same thing, where it's like, oh, what if we like give our brand more like personality? What if we like kind of go off of the traditional like, okay, we're like a corporation that makes yogurt. We're supposed to just look like this. Like it doesn't really have a lot of personality. People just want their yogurt. But what if we like change all this stuff and give it something that's like very much of the times and isn't like very like corporate brandy, but is a lot more like, like, oh, what if we just had a designer who made this? Mm-hmm. Um, it has a lot more like life and personality and less. The brand then becomes more of like an ethos than like rigid, like specific pixel placement. Mm-hmm. So it gives a lot more personality to it. Yeah. I don't know. Also, like on a completely unrelated note, I just loved it because their typography of the their new like their new letter form of Giovanni was incredible. It was like perfectly the serif. Yeah, they had this sort of like rounded, weird serif, which would like otherwise look super hokey. Yeah, and like really quirky, but somehow they did it in a way that was like made it look like it just like fits in a, in a weird, weird way. Yeah, huh? But I like what you've been saying about how it is adding personality to the brand because I think uh, Paul and I's approach to talking about Chobani earlier was not well, not seeing it as like people who are being creative in it but more yeah. seeing it as the brand trying yeah. to personify itself instead of it yeah. being we saw it as just an act of yeah. trying to be personified rather than, like, rather than oh there's actually real life creative designer people who are behind right. this people who are behind all of these colors and they're trying to make it more human like and like what Haley was saying earlier how she thinks there's a human element in serif yeah. fonts there, yeah there was a phrase we kind of like landed on that we called it manufactured authenticity it very I've used that same exact yeah. phrasing yeah to call for not this, specifically, like, not specifically for Chobani, but for uh-huh. a lot of because it is a that's so. It's like even as it's like in like praising all this stuff and like Dropbox and whatnot. Right. At the end of the day, it still is an executive mm. saying we gotta reach millennials. Yeah. Right. You know, and yeah. so they're like, okay, how do we do that? Oh, millennials love people that are being genuine. Right. Let's actually be genuine. And so I'm like, <laughs> I make like a, uh, I have to make a mental choice. To, like, not be completely cynical about it because it mm. is, like... You can choose to be cynical or you can choose to be, like, this is nice. Like most things. Yeah, like, I live in a world where, like, people are gonna market to me. I've met and, like, talked with and, like, had drinks with a couple of people, like, on the Dropbox design team. And it was really interesting getting to meet them and you can kind of see their own personality come through in the brand. And, like, mm. their own work come through in the brand, which is very unheard of in a lot, especially in, in tech design, you know? Right. Um... And so it's really interesting to see that happening, to see some sort of like personality come through in a brand. But there is definitely also another sign we do know for sure that it's like there, there was an executive. Well, I guess it makes you wonder: was there an executive that was like we gotta reach millennials, or was there a design team that was like we need to like like I wanna like we need to change the way the design works. Yeah, everything that's designed is has to do with the user and how you can get the user to give you essentially at the end of the day which is where it comes back to the six of like Shabani like probably is recognizing that like oh like 
we have this, but maybe like Lucerne makes more money than us in the modern like higher the industry solo market with this kind of like millennials wonder like this idea of like, wellness you know kind of being free so they market to this idea of people want to be right and then they create a product none of there's like marketing or advertising or like, anything to a functional product right but it's all about like this this lifestyle this like why right yeah not the how not the what but the, like the why yeah. why does Shabbat need yogurt <laughs> like the guy is a lie right yes yeah right and it's, it's very interesting because you hear some of it like 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 Airbnb too they're told why for everything they've got in the past five six years especially in the everybody should be like like the idea of like Before, it's before their product, their product is a genius product. But, I mean, it's great, but it's also incredibly bizarre. It is, hey, oh, yeah. Strangers. Well, that's the thing. Everything's gonna be stories about people going and like staying in a cabin in the woods and like getting murdered and everybody's terrified of that Airbnb designed with the idea of trust in hand of like okay what if we like design we, we create this whole design like doxa that people then trust us they trust a stranger because of the design like techniques that we're using right and the product doesn't even really matter but they made them trust a stranger and now it doesn't even like then the design works incredibly yeah but so then, for me, I, I like try and look a lot for like these kind of like redeeming ways of that because it can feel very like cynical and just like completely like money driven of trying to like manipulate people to get money. Yeah. Um, but that's where I think design can become important of because design is is problem solving and communication. 
mm-hmm. right? So because of the society that we live in, you have to make money. If you're doing it for a job, you've got to make money. And so the problem solving, the problem is usually uh, we need more money <laughs> or the problem is identifying a problem that users have. How can we fix that problem so we can make money? Right. Um, and then communicating to them a lot of times lies to make money. The hard thing too is that you have to, so I've been having some conversations like this with um, people who are like very into like altruistic branding and what like have that like heart of like, say someone's like, I want to make, I want to like, I want to like change climate change. I want to make that not a thing. I want to like save the environment. Mm -hmm. And if they have, they like make a company out of it, out of that like deep want in their heart to like, like help the earth. Yeah. They want to appear to other people as someone who wants to help the earth. So it has to be this weird thing. Like, are you willing to sacrifice the way that you're viewed? Are you willing to sacrifice being looked at as somebody who cares? Yeah. In order to actually make change. Like, are you willing to look like the like asshole tech selfish dick in order to actually change the world? Yeah. Like then it becomes a weird thing of like, then all of a sudden it switches and you're the asshole for wanting to be looked at as someone who cares with all this stuff we're like we're like saying the words that have to do with like these issues right but we're not really talking about the issue we're talking about we're like saying these words but we're just trying we're throwing out like feelers we're throwing out mirrors of like how we want to see ourselves. yeah and so it becomes this conversation between two people where none of them are really talking to the other person they're talking to themselves mm. trying to like it's like no I'm this way right I'm like this person like I saw this person on Instagram I'm that person yeah as opposed to really being like okay this is what I think so we like so much of like all this like marketing stuff so it's 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 the brands that we want to be yeah and the brands that, like, that we want to become yeah not we buy chobani yogurt not because we're wanting yogurt but because we want to be a Right. A, Choban, a, no. a, a Chobani. A We want to be a Chobanius. Yeah, we want to right. fit into the persona. And of, yeah. It was so funny because I interviewed my mom about this, and she's like, I don't buy Chobani because it's twice as expensive. And I was like, mm-hmm. but isn't it about the experience? She's like, I feel like I can buy the same, I can have the same experience for $2 less. <laughs> yeah. No, there's <laughs> lots of things. Then you get people who aren't millennials. Right. <laughs> who are like exempt from it. Right. So like, weird. You're like, it's oh, like, you're flashy branding. I literally don't. Like, I don't care. Why is it more expensive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. I know. My parents How loved that it. Your parents loved it? Yeah. I do, I do love, like, just from a, strictly, like, a, an, art, an artistic standpoint, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love the way it looks. Pleasant. You put it on You put it on the wall. You put their IT manual on the wall. Oh, can yeah, use, I would you frame You can use their, their color scheme. You can just copy and paste that. I'd paint my house. Yeah. I would, yeah, I would frame their branding standards. It'd be, like, it'd be so good. I'll end it with this. I'll end it with this. <laughs> Um, my roommate and I recently started making our own coconut yogurt. Um, so we've, we've really undergirded the whole movement. Uh, eat local yogurt. Oh, there that. Eat local yogurt. Um, yeah. Thank you, Mike Miller. As you can see, there's no clear ending as to what we can think of this rebrand. There's no... This company, Chobani, is evil and manipulative. Or this company, Chobani, is brilliant and really just showcases the people behind the brand. We haven't really come to that conclusion, even ourselves. Yeah. We're leaving that to, for all of you, to decide. Um, you can still hate corporations. Yeah, That's you can totally still hate acceptable. corporations. They That's do, many what of them a lot do of horrible do. things. Yeah, many of them do. 
because we complexified that question. Is a corporation actually just a bunch of people working together on something? We made a corporation human. We complexified that. Is that a good thing? Here's the thing. I don't even know if that's a good thing. I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, yeah, you can definitely see how not a good thing. But when we make a corporation, that doesn't mean that we exempt them from all their mistakes and we justify everything they do. We're not applying some sort of relative uh, or moral relativism. It's not the goal. What we are wanting to do is put people, and in this case, uh, a corporation, no matter how you might feel about it, and, and say there's more going on here. There are people behind these design choices. And there's also a person behind who's being marketed to. Yeah. They're not just the sum of people who like pastel colors and a nice serif font. No. It's not people... I mean, they're strategizing how to get your money. Sure. But there's still a they behind that. Very much so. Who are intelligent and know how to do that. So basically, I guess... I would say, I don't know how much this podcast itself, this first episode is going to be um, similar to our following episodes because we were just very inspired by this marketing itself and we were inspired to make a podcast simply based off the marketing before we even had the idea of make it human or anything. We were just intrigued simply by this marketing which i encourage all of you to check out that's the only links in the show notes chobani is the only reason why we made this podcast so so of course we had to have a whole episode on exactly we had to make the whole episode but for future podcasts um i think we will see as in this episode we made not only chobani human this corporation but also, you see where myself and Paul come from. A group of people who are intrigued, in general, by marketing, learning, anything to do with what we learn in school. I think we're, we like to conversate about. But what we really want to do is just raise empathy amongst people. I feel like I'm a... Uh witnessing a benediction. I hope that you go throughout your day and think more about the person you walk by. That person is just as complex as you are. That's something that boggles my mind. Yeah. The person you walk by in an airport, in a bus, in your class. And nobody wants to think about that. No one wants... your, Your professor, your teacher, the person who's behind... Your, tra- your Trader Joe's guy. Yeah, your Trader Joe's guy. The lady who says, at the tone, please record this message. She's somewhere. She's she somewhere. That person, somewhere. That person could be dead. is somewhere. But she had dreams. She had dreams. Do you think that was her dream? She had desires. She, <laughs> she probably has a family. She has so many complex thoughts. And she wants, probably felt some fame from that. She was probably pretty proud of herself. But nobody knows her name. No one knows her. So I challenge you to go throughout your rest of your day today and think a little about this. (laughs) Do you want to sign off? Yeah, this is Daniel Davis. Uh, This is uh, Paul. 
Signing off. Signing off. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you.